big shout out today to my friends at the Vancouver Island Works Project. They are sponsoring today's episode and they've also created a website for me at operationtraumarecovery.org. So kind of them and so generous. A fantastic company I invite you to go check out at viwproject.com. Their suite of services includes consulting, training, mentorship, web services, and digital marketing. So if you need a kick-ass website, go check them out. viwproject.com, Vancouver Island Works Project. Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. And good morning, everybody. Today on the show, we have yet another Navy SEAL, lucky me. We have John McCaskill, the mindfulness dude. John, how are you, brother? I'm well, thanks. How are you, Mark? I'm doing well. I appreciate you being on. Uh, I think because you're using the green screen, you're a bit fuzzy right now, but it's okay. The, the, oh, okay. the computer will catch up in a second. I can hear you. I can see you. It's good enough. Um, let's, right on, right on. Talking mindfulness this morning and what it is, let's start with what it isn't. Uh, can you give me an example mm. or mm. describe what mindfulness is not? Yes, thank you for that. That's a great question because a lot of people get that wrong all the time. So you'll hear the term mindfulness, you'll hear the term meditation, and people use those synonymously all the time. Mindfulness, quite honestly, um, is not meditation, not necessarily anyway. There's some overlap between mindfulness and meditation, but it's not necessarily the same. I could drink this water in this in this bottle mindfully. I could have a conversation with you, Mark, mindfully. That's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, mindfulness, honestly, is nothing more than being present in the in the here and now, paying attention to the physical and emotional feelings that you're experiencing in the present moment, without any judgment. Mindfulness is not, again, like I said, is not necessarily meditation. You can meditate and be doing mindfulness at the same time, mindfulness meditation. But you can also eat mindfully. You can have those conversations mindfully. Um, you can spend time on, on work mindfully. It's, it's being focused in the present moment. A lot of the time people think that mindfulness is meditation. They think mindfulness is some religious practice. It is not. It's woo-woo. Um, if it, it, is, it is that. It can be woo-woo. Uh, and honestly, when I got introduced to it, I, I thought that it was woo-woo. I thought that it was snake oil and that uh, there wasn't much to it. But there's, there's far more to it. Um, Do you have to wear a tie-dye shirt? Do you have to wear a tie-dye Do you need shirt? dreadlocks to be no. mindful? <laughs> you do not. You do not. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm here, I'm here in my ball cap and T-shirt. And, uh, you know, I can also get into the corporate teams in my, in my suit and tie and, and I can meditate in, in those and I can be mindful in those. Mindfulness is, is really a way of living. That's, that's what I like to think of it is mindfulness is the way of living. Meditation is the practice. 
Um, so hopefully uh, I'm seeing a little bit of a slow drag there on my side too. Hopefully I'm coming across. It's uh, the green audibly, screen. When you have the green uh, screen for, on, it takes, are, are you hearing me? Okay. Oh yeah, I can hear you. But uh, when you have the green screen on, it takes up more okay. computer space or okay, Ram ROM, whatever it is. And uh, okay. I'm very technical. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. <laughs> well, well, we'll be mindful in the audio and make sure that that comes across well. So uh, as long as as long as the audio is being heard by your audience, that's the important part. They don't really need to see this this mug of mine anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> we're good. Um, what's the challenge to mindfulness when it comes to military and first responders? Because um, because I think from from my mind, when and not that all military and first responders have PTSD, not at all. I mean, everybody's affected to a degree, but not necessarily to uh, DSM. Uh, uh, way of looking at it of PTSD. Right. But it, it seems to me that when you're in a high-speed, low-drag op- occupation, uh, a trauma-rich environment, mindfulness tends to be more difficult. Uh, would you agree, and why? Yes, I, I would. I would agree wholeheartedly. And uh, I, I believe a lot of it has to do with the the type of person or personality that gets involved in uh, the military or first responding or healthcare, a lot of us essentially have a, a heart of service, one, which is great, but two, they also have a warrior mentality, uh, you know, whether that's being a warrior on the battlefield or a warrior in the, the hospital ER, uh, it's, a, it's a warrior mentality. And with that, anything that is perceived as quote-unquote soft or woo-woo it's hard for the warrior to accept. Yeah. But what, what's ironic is when you go back into ancient history, or not even ancient history, but you go back several, several uh, centuries, some of our most amazing warriors practiced mindfulness and or meditation. The, the samurai practiced it. <laughs> that was the first thing uh, that before, came to mind. Yeah. 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 Samurai practiced it before they, they went into battle. Uh, so that they were prepared and that they were in the present moment. That's where you want to be when you're in combat is that you want to be focused on what's happening around you. You want to be paying attention to both your enemy and your, your comrades on the, on the battlefield. Um, if you're in the ER as, as, a, as a nurse, as a physician, you want to be focused on the present moment and not thinking about what you have to do later today or what happened yesterday. So there's, there's, Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just uh, wanted to explore a bit more of the samurai. Um, uh, sure. All I know from it is uh, from a book I read like three times, uh, Shogun. <laughs> so I don't know yeah. how historically accurate it is, but that's where I'm getting my information. Um, what are some examples of what of mindfulness practices that the samurai would use? Well, they they would they would sit before they would go into combat. And either individually or as a group, and not not necessarily chant, but calm their minds through some type of mantra focused on a saying or focused on nothing more than their breath. The Spartans did something very similar in in preparing for battle, um, and we all know, or we at least uh, appreciate those ancient warrior uh, mentalities, and we use them today to this day as examples of how to be but somehow 
those parts, the, the meditation, the mindfulness, preparing yourself for battle by calming yourself rather than getting all amped up, that, that's been left behind. So I think the, the warrior uh, type or warrior personality, they're starting to understand and appreciate how mindfulness and or meditation can prepare you for combat, prepare you for the ER, prepare you for out on the, out on the beat as a law enforcement officer. Uh, it, it can prepare you for life as a, as a father or a mother. It, it's really amazing what these practices and ways of living can do for you mentally, physically, and emotionally. And, and if we're just more open to it and understand that it's not woo-woo or in snake oil. It's, it's truly something that happens physiologically inside your mind and inside your nervous system that calms your body, your nervous system, and your mind. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that thankfully is getting more attention and getting people, people are more open to it these days, thankfully, again. I wouldn't uh, say that I buy into the idea of toxic masculinity. There's um, uh, that that's a that's a buzz term lately. Uh, to me, they're just talking about douchebags. But um, <laughs> you know, it's like no, that's not that's not toxic masculinity. That's just an asshole. You know, <laughs> so don't get it mixed up, please. You know, right. um, but uh, there is an unhealthy masculinity. The, the an idea of. Um, uh, you know, what is a warrior? I'm this tough guy, you know, and uh, yet these samurais who were pretty badass, uh, they were doing flower arranging and kabuki theater. And these, yes. the, these things were considered essential as being part of a full, being a full warrior. Like flower arranging? What? Try to get a bunch of uh, high-speed, low-drag soldiers to do some flower arranging. <laughs> but uh, but it, it brings you into the moment, into yourself, keeps yourself, you know, keeps you... Um, out of the past and out of the present it's uh, or or out of the future and out of the past it keeps you in the now which is who we are we're not the past you know uh, because we're we're changing in every moment we're we're not the future because we don't know what we're going to be when we get there you know um but we we are only now and to have an effective mind uh talking about preparing for battle in that mindset is interesting i've experienced <laughs> in, in the heat of shit hitting the fan, a calm aggression, and that is something that is um, mo- is so counterintuitive. And until you've experienced it, it, it's really difficult to for somebody to grasp calm aggression. But you can be both aggressive and peaceful at the same time. Uh, have you experienced that? I have uh, both on and off the battlefield, and and it's uh, it's quite something to experience. Um, and, and I have the utmost respect for those who, who can be that, um, strong and silent type. You know, we've always heard that term. Uh, it's, it's the, and those are the ones that are really the, the true warriors, the, the ones who can control their emotions, uh, but bring those emotions to bear when they're needed so if you need to bring that aggression to the table, um, then, then you can. Um, we, we, we talk about violence, and, and sometimes violence is the, the only way to solve a problem, but that doesn't mean you have to come in beating your chest and acting like, 
acting like an animal, you can be violent if that's what's needed, but still be very in the moment and focused on what's happening and focused on what's needed. Um, those, I, again, I believe are, are the, the warriors, the true warriors. I've seen that, uh, both, again, both on and off the battlefield. I remember uh, one situation in, in particular that's jumping to mind right now. I wasn't on the battlefield. I was in the Joint Operations Center, and we, had, we were watching an operation happening. And we ended up getting a, a friendly killed in action. And the the ground force commander, the, the, the officer that was in charge of that particular operation, called back on the radio as calm as, as could be. You would never know that, one, that they had been in a firefight, or two, that they had lost somebody. And he just said, we've got one friendly killed in action moving to objective X, Y, or Z, and, you know, acted as though he was ordering a pizza. Um, but then he and the rest of the, the, the group continued with the mission um, and, and got done what needed to be done. And when, when they came back, that's when all the emotions came out. Uh, but they were very uh, calm yet aggressive. So it's, that's, the, that's the true warrior. And that can be, that can be trained to, to a point. And a lot of that comes through something like mindfulness and meditation, being able to be stoic, if you will, and be uh, in control of your emotions and not the other way around. Don't let your emotions control you. It's also a sign of true confidence. If, you have never, if you've never really tested yourself, if uh, you think you can fight because you've got all this training, but you've never been punched in the nose or you've never landed <laughs> a punch, um, then you don't know. You know, and and that not knowing is where you see the young guys um, acting tough and dressing tough and talking tough. Uh, but the truly tough, they don't have to. Right. You know, uh, even as a as a young man, we'd hear anecdotally. You know, um, the true tough guys are the ones that are quiet. They're sitting minding their own business, and they're just observant and aware. You know, the, right. the, the ones that are putting on a show, uh, not so much. And it reminds me of a fellow that I was actually scared of um, when I was in the 3rd Battalion. It was uh, the, our, our high-speed, low-drag battalion. It was, it was something else, that place. Um, and his nickname was, I don't remember his real name, and I wouldn't use it if I did. But his nickname was, <laughs> his nickname was Pang, because it looked like he got hit in the face by a shovel. Pang, <laughs> and uh, I thought it was great. Uh, the army has the best nicknames, but mm-hmm. um, uh, you're just like always had a grump on, you know, and and was a bit of a bully. Well, uh, on his first tour, when it hit the fan and mortars were coming in, and he was in the bunker, uh, a buddy of mine was in that bunker with him, and my buddy is a happy-go-lucky, never does the the tough guy routine at all doesn't you know doesn't dress it doesn't talk it and he's smoking and joking and playing cards as the bombs are flying in and uh the guy that i was scared of this um because he's always such a bully um he was literally curled up in a ball crying and sucking his thumb you know oh wow and because uh, you know bombs are coming <laughs> the, right, mor- the right. mortars are coming but it, that has been 
story after story after story in militaries around the world will always say the same thing, that uh, when it hits the fan, it's usually the bullies. It's the blowhards that tell you how tough they are that that end up not being able to fight because they're too terrified. Right, right. And and that comes back to that, you know, toxic masculinity that we were talking about before. I don't believe that masculinity in and of itself is toxic. Agreed. Um, it, it's it, it's fantastic, just just as femininity is. Uh, sure. You know, they, they both have a, a time, place, and, and pros and cons. But when you force that quote-unquote toughness, which is what is viewed as masculinity, onto someone else, quite often that's when the masculinity becomes toxic. It's, it's actually not the masculinity itself becoming toxic. Like It is what you said. It's somebody being a douchebag uh, and, and forcing <laughs> forcing their views onto someone else. But Pang, this bully that you're referring to, he sounds like the epitome of toxic masculinity. Walked yeah. around kind of beating his chest, dragging his knuckles, acted as though he was all tough. And then when the shit hit the fan, uh, we see what we see what happened. And I mean, that's that's a human response. I'm not going to say Pang is a is a terrible person for that. When bombs are flying in, it's it's freaking scary. Yeah, it um, is. And and uh, that that could be a human response. But he he just didn't have the the control of his emotions because he had been wearing this mask his whole this whole time, this fake shield of fake bravado, fake bravado, false bravado. Um, and if he was able to drop that shield and be the true human being that he was, maybe he could have gained some control. And that's one thing that we need to do more often is know who we are behind these masks that we wear, behind the shields that we hide behind, because we all do. We all wear masks at some point or another. If we're able to know who we truly are behind those masks, then we're able to truly build who we are behind those masks and become stronger and better versions of ourselves. So, yeah, it's, it's important to, to truly know who you are. And with that, it provides you with more courage. And uh, I think that one of the greatest fears of uh, all people, and I'm seeing this in this uh, pandemic, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, don't worry. But um, in the pandemic, and I'm not using the word I'm about to use in a judgmental, finger-pointing way. I'm not. But I'm going to use the word cowardice. Cowardice is not, um, courage is not the ability to not have fear. Right. Courage is the ability to face that fear. And we see people wearing masks in their cars by themselves going down the highway where they're not a a threat at all. Um, uh, Saw somebody going for a jog yesterday in 20 below Celsius, uh, not 100 yards from anybody wearing a mask that is an unreasonable fear and the cowardice is a lack of mindfulness in itself is it like would you see uh, cowardice as being a lack of mindfulness i could see that uh, i haven't thought of it in that way um but i, I think uh cowardice or or lack of courage um could be could be tied to a lack of mindfulness. Um, again, well, my logic is that is, because it's fear, and uh, yeah. it's cowering to the fear, 
it's it's buckling to the fear. It's letting the fear be your boss. And if you're letting the fear mm. be your boss, then you're afraid you're afraid of the future. If you're afraid of the future, then you're not in the now. If you're not in the now, then you're not in a state of mindfulness. Oh, I like that. I like that parallel. Uh, you know, I won't get I won't get wrapped up in the in the pandemic or the mask. No, uh, me neither. Conversation, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I could definitely see I could definitely see that. You know, a fear of the future. We've we have uh, the podcast Men Talking Mindfulness, which is this hat here that I'm wearing, uh, incidentally, um, where we had an episode on fear versus abundance or scarcity, the mm. scarcity mindset versus abundance, and scarcity mindset is really nothing more than fear. Uh, it is fear that there's only so much of uh, a resource, or only so much of so much money, or only so much water, and then only so much toilet it. paper. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> only so much toilet paper. Can you spare and a square? It, going, going out and uh, yeah, <laughs> nice Seinfeld reference. Well done. Uh, yeah. So it's it's the it's I don't got a square. The, to spare. It is fear. So <laughs> so it's uh, I, I could see that. Yeah, that that. Uh, fear or or cowardice or lack of courage, however you want to phrase it, could definitely be tied to a lack of mindfulness. And, um, you know, that's what we talk about with, with time travel, quote unquote, with your mind time yeah. traveling. As you travel to the future, you start to see things that don't even exist right now. The only thing that exists is the present moment. And you referenced this before. When you start to think about the future and you start to envision what could happen in the future and you start to think about, uh, you know, the, the negative things, you start catastrophizing what the future could hold. That's when the anxiety builds up in your, your, in your body, your mind, your nervous system. And that's when you start to have that fear. And that is directly tied to mindfulness. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would definitely tend to agree. Um, as far as the as far as courage and what courage is, courage is having fear but doing it anyway. We need to start teaching that more and more often. Like I've got I've got young kids. I've got a four year old, a two year old, and a seven month old, and uh, and my little girl, uh, my four year old, almost five. She she often says that she's scared to do something, and I'm like, that's that's okay. Being scared to do something is completely okay, but sometimes you've got to do it anyway. Like, you know, as she's learning to swim and she won't put her face in the water, I'm like, okay, well, put your face in the water anyway. I know you're scared. I know it's not comfortable. Not that I'm forcing this on her, just to be clear, <laughs> but I'm trying to explain. So I grabbed her, her by the life. back of the head, shoved her head in the sink. <laughs> yeah. And but, child services but, um, showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully not. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, you know, a life lesson that you can turn, you can teach uh, to a four-year-old or to a 40-year-old in that sometimes you've got to do things that scare you. I've got a horse. I've got two horses. Um, and I'm, you know, even though I have them, I'm not 100% comfortable around them. But I, I'm learning to do things uh, every day that scare me. And as I do that, I feel that I'm developing my sense of courage. Um, and And once you stop doing that, I think that's when your courage is going to wane and that's when you're going to become more fearful, fearful of everything and anxious about the future and everything. So yeah, absolutely. I, I like that parallel. So thanks for drawing that. You bet. Well, we've become such a risk adverse society and there's no such thing as, as be, having a risk free life. And would you want it if you could have it? I sure wouldn't, mm. you know, you want to live in a bubble? 
and be bubble wrapped. <laughs> like no, right. and I sure hope that um, uh, like every I used to go skydiving, not a lot. I only got twenty four jumps. But uh, I sure like living in a world where I'm allowed to go skydiving and take that assumed risk if I want to. And um, I sure don't want that to be taken away. But that's exactly what's happening, though, right now. We're, we're losing the ability to be an adult and say, I'm willing to take that risk. And that's okay. At, um, right. You know, even though I am a proponent of uh, seatbelt laws, that's kind of where it all started, though, isn't it? You know, really? Yeah, well, I mean, yes, seatbelts are a good idea. <laughs> if they if if they got rid of all seatbelt laws today, I'd still wear one. But it's it's incremental. It's incremental. I want to be safer. I want to be safer. It's for the common good. It's for the common good. I want to be safer. But where does that end? What am I going to be allowed to do? It's going to be like demolition man in another five years. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I like your movie and TV references, man. You've got a, a very different, uh, like from Demolition Man to Seinfeld. Uh, but yeah, I, think, I don't have I think, a spare you know, to square. Uh, the the risk adverse um, that that can be an issue, definitely. But I think when what you're doing makes again, this comes back to the toxic masculinity. When mm. what you're doing makes someone else uncomfortable or makes someone else feel threatened. Then that's that's a little bit a little bit different, right? Um, is it so, though? You know, the, I, I do, is I it? do what, believe so. What what if plaid so, shirts uh, became suddenly a sign of um, of aggression, and no more plaid shirts because it's a it's a hate symbol? Is that okay? Because it makes you know that I can't wear a plaid shirt anymore because people are uncomfortable. I w- I would argue well, I that's think, not okay. I because then we're we're buckling to. Uh, we're, we're, we're putting the cowardly at the top of our society and, and those who are not cowardly have to abide by the rules made by the cowardly. Hmm. Yeah, this is a definitely, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, it's like the, it's like the stars and bars, right? Again, I I don't want to get too far down any political or religious, (laughs) uh, uh, wormholes or rabbit holes, but the, the stars and bars and what they represent or represented. And some people think they represented one thing and some people believe that they represented another, but those who took offense and felt that, uh, you know, it, it represented the desire to secede from a union and desire to secede from the union in order to, uh, maintain slavery, then that if people flew the stars and bars for that reason, then there's a reason to ban that. So mm-hmm. if coming back to your plaid shirt example, if walking around in your plaid shirt was a way of showing some type of hate, hatred towards some culture, towards some race, towards some gender, um, then, then in certain places at certain times, I think they, sh- they would have to be banned. Um, but just because of what that represents and how that makes other people feel. Now, I also don't want to get so far to the other side to where we can't express our um, our own thoughts, our own beliefs, uh, without worrying about offending others. But when it when it comes to something that we can't control, like you can't control race, you can't control gender, 
you, you know, and and offending someone because of their race or gender. That's uh, I think we have to we have to insert some level of control so that um, riots don't break out, so that chaos, complete chaos, doesn't break out like we've seen in the past. Well, getting a little so, closer, now, to, a little closer to home. There's been uh, military pride parades that have been canceled because people were offended or scared. Uh, it, it bothered them. That's that's happened in the states. Uh, in Canada, um, uh, wherever there's a city where there's a, an army base on at that city, there would be freedom of the city parades, which I've done, where you got a, uh, a rifle with a, you got your BFA on it, but, you know, it's safe. There's, there's, there's no live rounds, but even if there was, uh, you know, it's safe. Uh, it's being held by professionals. But either way, you've got your, um, you got your, rifle with you you're in your dress uniform and marching around the city and doing a freedom of the city parade and those are uh, not happening like they like they used to happen because some people are scared some people are offended by it so we are then buckling to the scared and to the offended we are then allowing the weakest of us to decide what 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 our the fabric society should look like, and that's a dangerous path. No, I, I agree. I, I do. You know, there's there is a there's a, a fine line, and I think what what needs to be done is rather than canceling military parades, is is having an open and honest and frank conversation. Okay, maybe bring some of the military folks that have the parade plan together with those who are supposedly offended by it and find out why, why are they offended? Uh, what, you know, what causes them to be offended? It maybe, maybe they have one valid reason, maybe they don't, but I think we just need to be more communicative as a society and less, less, um, I don't know, a, a attacking of one another. Like just because, just because what you're doing offends me, that doesn't give me the right to attack what, what it is you're doing. Let's have a conversation about it. And that's, that comes full circle back kind of to what we're, we're kind of the genesis or the, the core of this conversation is, is mindfulness. And the mindfulness um, is what allows us to have compassion for ourselves and allows us to have compassion for our fellow human beings. And when we can have that compassion, we can have those open and honest, frank conversations and understand what's driving it. And that comes back to the fear piece. Maybe that offense mm -hmm. That's right. that people are feeling is driven by a fear. And if, and if we can address that fear and say, look, it's a military parade. People are going to be marching in uniform with weapons to represent fighting for freedom, not to represent oppression of any, for, of, of any form. Um, and explain that, then maybe those who are offended will understand the other side. But it's just, I think that comes back to compassion for your fellow man, fellow human being, and communication uh, with, with one another, open and honest communication with, uh, with one another. Well, the greatest spot for there to be courage right now, where we need courage the most, is the courage to be able to hear somebody else who has an opposing, opposing uh, viewpoint without feeling right. offended. You know, and, right. and that's that's a level of maturity where if you don't have that uh, that maturity and that confidence, 
you can't hear somebody else. Because if you don't have the confidence to be comfortable with with exploring the possibility of being wrong or incorrect, at least to a degree, if you don't have that courage, if you are a coward, then you cannot hear the other side. Right, right. The reason I'm kind of looking off to the side here is I'm trying to bring up a, a social media meme that my cousin had posted about about being able to disagree and have opposing viewpoints with with folks and and still appreciate them as as human beings. We've gotten to the point where if you have an opposing viewpoint, then then you must be enemies, which is not true at all. It's a fear response. We, I mean, it, it is. It is a fear response. You you um, you only are defensive where you feel vulnerable. Right. If you don't feel yes. vulnerable, then you don't feel the need to defend it. And and that's why if you are in a engage with somebody and you are defending, justifying, or explaining, you are in the weaker position. I would uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely taking a, a road that I didn't, did not anticipate the conversation going. I like it. <laughs> well, I th- and I didn't intend for it either. I was just kind of going with the flow. But um, it seems to me that there is a link between mindfulness and courage. Because, uh, and please, uh, I mean, you're the expert, not me, when it comes to mindfulness. But uh, I, I see a component, a strong component of mindfulness is to be self-awareness. So with that self-awareness, you're aware if you're scared. You're aware if you're overcoming that fear. You're aware of what's going on in your body. You're aware of what's going on in your mind. And you are... Um, and that's part of being in the now. Uh, am I on the right track? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, that is the very definition of mindfulness is being being aware. I mean, we use the term on the battlefield, and I'm sure many other places is situational awareness. Situational awareness, so you know what's happening around you, and you just take it one level further, and you know what's happening inside of you. You know what's happening with your emotions. You know what's happening with your physical feelings. So you know what you're seeing, you're hearing, you're smelling, you're tasting, everything there. And you combine those two to get mindfulness. That's, that's, uh, that is the very definition of it. Okay, on the right track then. Yeah. So uh, all this talk about courage and cowardice is uh, not off offline then. Because it, it, you know what? Um, and again, I have to reiterate, when I, when I talk about cowardice, I'm not judging. I'm really mm-hmm. not. Uh, I don't expect everybody to have courage. Uh, I don't expect that. And it's, it's funny because it, it takes courage to admit your cowardice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, that, but that's true. And, and most people won't. They'll do anything they can to, uh, to not admit that they're a coward. It seems to be like uh, the ultimate stigma. But um, the truth mm-hmm. is, most people are. The vast majority of people are. Uh, even in the military, I mean, there is a, quite the process to, be, to get through a battle school, uh, in my experience. And even then, it doesn't mean you're not a coward. It's not until you get on tour, you get into a hairy situation, that you find out who can and who cannot. And uh, I imagine by the time you... Uh, and that's what buds will be doing as well, right? And um, 
but every now and then one's going to squeak through. I'm sure you've met, um, and I'm sure they're rare, but even on the teams, there's got to be the odd coward that gets exposed in battle. Yeah, no, absolutely. There, there are. And I would also say, you know, there's different times when people are going to have different levels of courage. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, your, your nervous system, your brain, your body gets worn out. You have different strengths at different times. So maybe one day someone is going to exhibit amazing feats of courage uh, because everything has been going really well in their lives. But maybe um, somebody is overseas on deployment and they're struggling with what's going on back home. They're struggling uh, with a relationship. They're struggling with finances. They're struggling with uh, what's happening with their children whatever the case may be. And that can drain your emotions and put you into kind of the red zone for a lot longer than we should be. And you go into combat already worn out, already worn thin, and and maybe the bullets start flying and it's more than you can take. It's like the, the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. And now you start displaying cowardice. So there's there's definitely times um that that some that normally would show courage could not and maybe they're they're at their breaking point everybody um, has I a limit know. yeah absolutely everybody absolutely. has a limit. Then, doesn't matter know, who you are you, yeah and then you flip that you know somebody who has been at their breaking point now now they're still overseas and their relationship is starting to improve maybe their kids got into the school that they wanted to or they the kid stopped having someone bully them at school and, you know, all these problems that are at home have now gone away and now they can be focused on what's in front of them on the battlefield and now they can display those feats of courage. So uh, I I think, I don't think that uh, courage is necessarily something that you can say this person is definitively 100% of the time courageous nor oh, no. it could be situational. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I do. I think it's. I think it is situational, and that again comes down to the mindfulness side. Hey, if if you are overseas and you've got uh, things going on back home, if you're able to be mindful, you're going to be able to come out of that red zone and come back into the yellow, or maybe even to the green, and then you're going to be able to display courage more often than than not. Have you so ever seen uh, again coming back to your tie? Have you ever seen a cat uh, chasing a mouse in a barn? And then yes, cor- I have a barn, and I have cats that chase them. <laughs> have, have you have you seen a cat corner a mouse? I have, yeah, right. Yeah, and the mouse the, the mouse has no other option but to fight. That's right, and I've and, and it's yeah. it's a hell of a thing to actually see. Um, I wonder if there's a YouTube video somewhere. There must be, but um, I'm sure there is. It, uh, it's always stuck with me. I've actually seen uh, what we're talking about, and th- that mouse is running for its damn life until it has it's out of options, and then it's like, "Come on, I'll bite your ankles," you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that's that's situational cowardice and situation. Well, or just common sense. You know, it's not cowardice to run. It's <laughs> it just it makes sense. But um, it's situational courage. You know, that mouse didn't curl, it, curl into a ball and go, well, damn it. <laughs> you know? Right. right. Um, I guess my number's up. He's like, well, 
if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down fighting, bugger. And, right. uh, <laughs> and fight it did this little, and, and you know what? I, I've seen the cat back off in that situation too. It's like, well, that, this, this looks crazy. <laughs> <I'm about here. laughs> right. And it's this, the same idea with, um, uh, like your average soccer mom you know, who isn't aggressive and uh, is just a normal, regular person will th- until you threaten those kids. Right. You right, know, exactly. and you might find uh, a brick upside the head uh, from, from, that, <laughs> from, from that same, uh, I almost said frying pan, then I thought that might be misogynist, so I, I switched it to brick. But, um, uh, but either way, well done. Well done. The, the, the warrior will come out of that person. When you're, um, right. you know, might be meek and mild on on most occasions, but uh, when it's go time and uh, you're you're threatening those kids, mama bear comes out and uh, right. and all of a sudden your life is in danger as it should be <laughs> if you're threatening kids. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I I've seen that uh, both in. Uh, my my own mom, and I've seen it in my sisters, and I've seen it now in my my beautiful bride, the the mother of my kids, and it's uh it is something to to see that what that happened, you know, the the normally peaceful or docile even uh, comes out swinging. So yeah, that and that comes back to that, you know, the what what was your term that you used at the very beginning, uh, like quiet aggression or peaceful aggression. Mm. That's that's similar, and I think that's uh, that's where that's what we need to be, and that's how we need that's how we need to be is bring that aggression out when needed, but, but it doesn't have to be out all, all the time. Well, your internet uh, is slowing down on me. Actually, could you do me a, fa- a favor? Turn off your green screen. That'll fix it. Did I lose you, Mark? You no, know, uh, I still got you. But if you could turn off the, your, uh, uh, your, yeah. your green screen, uh, yeah, I think. Can. Let's see if we can. Let's yeah. see. We won't have that pretty background anymore, but uh, that'll fix our bandwidth issues here. We are experiencing <laughs> technical difficulties. It's still a Please nice green sheet. By. Come on. It's beautiful. There we go. There we go. That should help. We'll see. You're still a bit fuzzy, but that's all right. All right. All right, brother. <laughs> um, Let's talk about your podcast, Men Talking Mindfulness Podcast. Sure, yeah. Uh, it's, it's myself and my good friend, Will Schneider. Uh, it, it's um, two men primarily talking about mindfulness, just like the title uh, implies. It, am, I, am I still frozen there, Mark? Uh, it's, it's still chopping up a little bit. I guess that didn't help a lot, but, uh, uh, but I can hear you. Keep going, brother. Let me see. Okay. All right. Uh, so yeah, it's two two men talking about mindfulness, much like the title implies. Uh, myself, the retired Navy SEAL commander, and then my good friend Will Schneider, who's a, a yoga and meditation teacher in New York City. And uh, the goal is to spread mindfulness. Is to teach people about what mindfulness is, isn't, much like we've done on today's episode. And then bring the the added aspect of meditative, the true full human experience. What is some of the barriers? Um, is it getting better? Are people are starting to adopt mindfulness and starting to adopt meditation um, uh, more? Is it getting more popular? 
It is. Uh, it definitely is starting to gain acceptance uh, in in Western society more and more. I think as more people um, share what's happening physiologically and the science behind it, people are more open to it. And then as more high-performing uh, individuals and those who are successful, at least as far as society, Western society views them, as they start to practice, it's going to gain more and more acceptance. So it is, it is definitely uh, gaining, gaining momentum here in the West. I think it's always had, it's always had momentum uh, in, in other, other areas. What's the link between mindfulness and trauma recovery? I think mindfulness uh, and, and meditation together allow us to bring some of the things that we've boxed up and put down in the basement never to be dealt with. They allow us to go down into that basement, unpack these boxes, bring these boxes up to, to the house and process what's inside of them. I know for me, that's what happened. I was personally struggling with trauma that I had boxed up and it was causing anxiety, stress, depression, survivor's guilt, moral injury. And the, the, the meditation allowed me to understand why those things were, why they existed, why those symptoms were in my life, and then get to the root cause of those symptoms and then address them properly in, in talk, uh, talk counseling and in other ways. But uh, mindfulness and meditation, I, I believe, is just just the start to helping to address trauma. I mean, and it works for it works for a, a large majority, but I will also say it's not a panacea. It doesn't work for everyone, and uh, it's it's one of many modalities that are out there to help with trauma. Well, and I'm going to challenge you yet again, John. Um, I think that it works for everyone who's ready for it, because it's just how our brain works. But there's lots of, that are simply not there. They're, they're, they're not ready to heal with any modality. They're not ready to use any um, positive coping mechanism. doesn't matter what you throw at them. They're going to go, nah, yeah, it didn't work. And it's like, well, uh, when the teacher is, or when the student is ready, the teacher will appear is, is the, the proverb there. But um, mm-hmm. I keep, I mean, in 176 episodes, whatever it is, I, I keep running into uh, people that want help, but they don't want help. You know, mm-hmm. you, you run into the ask holes. They ask, but they don't listen to the answer. <laughs> I've never heard that term before. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, a lot has to do with your mind and your mind's ability to heal itself and the body. And if you don't believe the modality that you're using, whether that's yoga, meditation, psychotherapy, whatever the case may be, talk therapy, then yeah, of course it's not going to help. There's, you know, the uh, placebo effect. There, there's an amazing side to the placebo effect. It does work because your mind believes that it, you're doing something. Um, so a lot of the time when you, you know, compare a drug to the placebo effect, well, yeah, the, there's no difference because the placebo effect is a real thing because you can actually heal your mind and body through the mind and body. Well, there's probably been ones where the placebo worked better than the drug. It's like, whoa. There have. <laughs> Absolutely, there have been. Uh, if you've yeah. ever watched the, the documentary Heal. No, uh, I think it's all. Yeah, uh, it's H-E-A-L. 
um, and they show that there are, in fact, times when the placebo effect is more powerful than the than the medicine. Uh, so, yeah, because of how powerful the mind is. Brother, I'm going to leave her right there. Uh, how do people find you and, right. and find your podcast? Well, Men Talking Mindfulness is the ta- is the name of the podcast, and we're available on all platforms, but you can also find us on mentalkingmindfulness.com. And then me, as far as finding me, you can find me on johnmccaskill.com, J-O-N-M-A-C-A-S-K-I-L-L.com, and I'm on all the different forms of social media, primarily LinkedIn. He's the guy that kills Maccas. All right, brother. (laughs) That's right. Please stay on the line. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. Great conversation. 100%. Stay on the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and Navy SEALs. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Now, I've got a favor to ask you. And I know everybody asks for the same favor, but it's really, really important. If you can help, do your little bit by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a comment. That would be awesome. Also, on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back, please click follow. And if there's an option there for rating, please do so. And this is why. Every time you click like, leave a rating, leave a comment, what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast. The help that you can't find doesn't help at all. So help other people find this so that they can help themselves. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, share, share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring.